okay, we're back. Uh, now Jerry can get exactly what he needs from this. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, now we're in horizontal mode. I hope everybody comes back. If not, well, I guess not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, all right. So uh, make it shareable. I can't, I'll have to do that later, Amy. I don't know how I make it shareable. I don't know the first thing about how to make a chip. All right. Well, it'll just have to be here on the drop-offs page because my front office wants to make a chip. Well, there's Jerry. Okay. Uh, trying to add you, Jerry. Why is it not appearing this time? Jerry Horizontal doesn't appear. How do I add? Okay. There you go. Got ya. Figured it out. Back on track. <laughs> so, Hola. Sorry. Hey, Tracy. Everybody, everybody's back. All right. So, See, I think, and by the way, I think it's easier for everybody else to see too, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this definitely looks better because, well, you can see both of us. Um, not that they necessarily want to see me, but <laughs> so, so, uh, so what we're talking about, uh, the front desk drop-offs, uh, how the first call relates to that. So we're going to kind of dive into this and the metrics of it and how, well, I think that the mat metrics are inadequate. And you and I have discussed this a number of times, Jerry, um, on the metrics. And uh, But we'll, we'll dive into that here in a little bit. So first, the front desk's role in drop-off. So as you've said probably a million times, uh, the, the front desk is where your drop-offs start, right? That's where your cancellation no-show rate, that's where all of our KPIs start. Um, is in that initial uh, uh, phone call, you know, because that, that's our first contact. And one, as we've discussed before, it even kind of goes further than that. It goes in your messaging. You got to be targeting the right people. Um, so uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the front desk's role in that, like the first phone call, how that impacts that number. Yeah. So what i have found and again i think everybody knows this but i think this is important context too so i answered the incoming new patient phone calls in my practice for about a year without going too deep into that story what you need to understand is at the same time i was running the business right so i was involved in one step within the ecosystem of my business while at the same time trying to change metrics. So I think that's important context here. So at the same time I was answering phone calls, I was trying to solve other problems. And slowly over time, and actually if you go back and listen, and I'm not, it is what it is, I'm pumping my podcast. But if you go back and listen to series one and two, I re-listened to them the other day because I'm getting ready to, to do the next one. And I want people to have the context. If you listen to those two, you'll hear all the things that were changed over time by the first phone call. So this is how we got here, all right? So the deal is, and really where it started was understanding that we put all this emphasis on our providers to do everything. Get people better, sell plans of care, keep no-show cancel rate down, make sure the NPS scores and that promoter scores are high, all that. And there's research to show how our providers can do that. Bishop and Belosky, uh, Louis Pointadera, uh, a lot of research into that. Chad Cook, a lot of research into all that stuff. So I, I need to talk to you about that too. The, yeah. the, the, because I, I, I want to start looking at the NPS data in relation to those outcomes. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. so what the patient's thoughts are 
in relation to the outcomes. Like, so if we visit, if we if we look at that net promoter score, uh, you know, that that basic score, zero to ten, how how likely are you to refer us to a family or friend? If we look at that, and we look at that in relation to uh, your outcomes, like how does the patient's perception of how much they like you impact the outcome? Well, here's a dirty little secret for everybody watching. Here's everybody, yeah, and here's a dirty little secret for everybody watching. It plays in hugely, right? As we all, as we all would consider it does, and it's research proven. So I took all that research, expectations research, uh, alliance research, and one day, I almost remember when I looked at it and just went, why? Why don't we move this upstream? We're working so hard with this person and we're giving the person one hour roughly to be successful because all of this is it's make or break in the one hour, right? First impressions, all of it. Right. So I said, let's move this upstream. So I slowly but surely started doing more and more of what we were doing with the therapeutic alliance. I moved it upstream. So I started moving conversations around expectations and all that into the incoming phone call. What I saw then was changes in the downstream metrics and no-show cancel rate, not, not, not first visit arrival rate. That's different. No-show cancel rate, 99.9% of the practices out there are holding their providers accountable for that. And that is, that is an incomplete metric. No-show cancel rate will be changed, will be changed by the conversation at the front desk. Because what you're starting to do is you're starting to build trust and alliance, and you're starting to decrease fear, doubt, and uncertainty with that provider they're going to sit across from. So what I say I'm doing on this first phone call to change these metrics downstream, and this is that business as an ecosystem, right? Is right, clicking right absolutely. Ray, are you clicking your pin? I'm going to come through there. Thank you. And so, um, so what I'm doing is setting that therapeutic alliance up. So trust is already being built so that when the provider walks in the room and has one hour, I liken it to this. This is my favorite baseball analogy. In the old model, we put our provider in the room and it's basically bottom of the ninth team down by one. You're facing the best closer, two outs, and we're asking you to hit a home run. In my scenario, when we set it up this way, I put you first inning, man on third, no outs. All you got to do is put the ball into play to be successful. That's that's where this all comes together. And that's the gist of all this. And looking at your metrics and understanding your business as an ecosystem, change one thing at a time and look for the results. Right, right. And and I, I love that, you know, the, the analogy, you know, because if you think about it, you don't. You don't you don't even have the right person up the bat. If if you're calling about a drop off after you know the third visit, fourth visit, and you're having the front office call, not only do you set them up for failure, you have the wrong person at the plate. They're not as likely to be successful in that situation as as the therapist. You know, so so we're you know even taking it one step further, you're sending the wrong person to the plate. I, I love that. I love that thought. So here we are back to, and I looked at the response that you said when I said we set our providers up for failure and then we yell at them when they fail. So check this out. So currently most practices will look at no-show counsel, right? And we'll go to a provider and say, how can we change this? And yet what will they do when the person cancels? They'll ask the front desk to call them back. 
why did you ask the provider how to change this and make them responsible for it and then tell the front desk to do the accountability? Yeah, There's two things that play here. And we can say we all read this wherever first. I don't know who to give it credit to, but no, no joke. I'll never forget this. I read this first in reading a book about Napoleon. Responsibility and accountability don't always go together. And it was when I was reading this book that he talked about accountability being the ultimate. It's not enough to make people responsible. So if I yell at a PT and just say, you're responsible for this, but where's the accountability? You know, what are we going to do next? Who has to do what? That is, that's what's really important. Responsibility, I'm sorry, accountability has to come with responsibility. Don't tell someone they have to do something and then not fall through. This is telling your kid to clean their room or don't do this or don't do that and you don't follow up. Right. Right. Yeah. And and you know, we we we've discussed this at, at nauseum, but it, it's it's so important. The the idea that uh keeping uh the right person in the right place at the right time. You know, like like we 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 jump around and well, this is part of the, this ties right into the to that metrics discussion. It's almost you almost can't talk about it without it. You know, we look at the at the drop offs, right? And we look at our KPIs. What are, what are your key performance indicators? Your cancellation no show rate, your uh, drop offs, your vacancy rate. So so we look at this, and and we've just, you're looking at symptoms. This is my argument. You are looking at symptoms. You're you have a patient. You're like, hey, you have a fever. Okay, well, why do you have a fever? Well, no, no, you have a fever. Okay, well, you know, you need more measurement. You need other measures. You need measures about what is actually going on. You know, what's going on with the front desk? What does the patient think about your front desk? What does the patient think about your overall practice? What does the patient think about the therapist that they have? So, you know, not only... You're, you're not only those KPIs, you really have to dive in and see where the hole is in your bucket in order to fix it. You can't fix it if you're just looking and saying, oh, we have a, we have a bad drop-off rate. So then people start talking about the, the phases of recovery and all of this stuff, make people sign off on the plan of care. It's not going to work because that might not be the problem. That might not be right. the problem at all. And they might not trust you. You can have right. them sign it all you want. You know, and they'll sign just because you asked them and you're in front of them. They'll sign it, but they're still going to drop off. You know, you show them the phases of rehabilitation. They don't trust you because you haven't set their expectation. You and haven't you set them You know, we shouldn't. And by the way, you'll love this. I don't know. Let me see where it is. Look at that. hangs in front of my. That sits in front of my computer. It's backwards, Jerry. Uh, you have to read it. It says, me. awesome. It says cause and effect. That sticky note sits in front of me all day long. Because as Ray said, the effect is the number. So what caused it? And this is what happened in my practice a lot, right? Me too. So again, let's go back to the trust thing you were just talking about. Let's go back to the trust thing is, is I'm asking the provider, back to my original scenario, I'm asking the provider to maximize trust. And most people say establish, but I'd say maximize trust in one hour. Whereas if I back it up to the front desk and oh, start yeah. building trust, I now have two weeks, a week, five days to build trust because that front desk person is going to build an alliance. And this is Maxie Michak research. And she's really the one that really kicked this forward for me when I, um, Jeff Moore actually turned me on to her research and we've been in, I was just texting with her this morning. Um, 
we've been in contact because there is correlation and research to prove that an alliance is built with your non-licensed or non-providers team. An alliance is a lot of things, and I like to default to trust. That's not always what the research says, but alliance is about you know listening and connection and conversations and all this stuff. And the sooner it's about we do relationship. It, yeah, and the sooner we do it in their journey, in your practice's life cycle, the sooner we do it, the more successful your providers will be. And I'm not saying they will get everybody better, treat everybody better, get everybody a completed plan of care. I would say a good course of care is someone who's out of the system sooner, who shouldn't be in the system. So whether they get them to complete a plan of care, but that trust is there, the relationship is there, and we do what we need to do. And it's all just about moving stuff further upstream and understanding back to the metrics part, what is the metric of success for this step? So my front desk, when they answer the phone, right, they're measured on probably two or three different metrics that they are accountable for. So I've made them responsible to do these 12 things and they're accountable through three metrics. And what are, what are the metrics are good, if you would mind sharing? Yeah, so NPS score is one of them. So NPS score of the front desk is one. Of them. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I would argue, especially I tell people every day, and if you follow me on Instagram, the only post from practices I share or will respond to is a testimonial they post that says something like the whole team was awesome. The front desk was great. If it just mentions your provider was an awesome PT, I don't comment or share it. That is everywhere, by the way. You're just you're under the bell curve. You're under the right. bell curve. Everybody has reviews that says the providers are great. Okay. So I just find the practice with the cheapest price that has great providers. That's easy. When it says the team listened to me, everybody was engaged. I felt taken care of. That's the stuff that wins. So MPS score, conversion rate, first phone call to a arrived patient. All right. And then, um, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the third one. You know, I put the no-show cancel rate is a is a team is a team metric, right? So, man, I even did a Facebook Live recently on what the three metrics were: arrival, or sorry, conversion rate, NPS. We got in the third one. Oh well, uh, you're, you completed plan of care. Uh, well, that's the no. That's, that's, the that's team. A team that's metric. a team metric. Yeah, yeah. So there's well, th those those are the big ones because really that's what they're there for, right? They're there for right. They're therefore taking care and starting a relationship. And, and if I'm they not, if I, if we're not getting the right people to, so if conversion rate goes down it maybe we're not doing good marketing back to your point, right? Okay. So conversion rate still, they're answering the phone. So they're responsible for getting people onto the schedule. I'm responsible to get the right phone calls. So that's still a team effort, but they're accountable to that. And then right. their MPS score, those are the big ones. Would would you mind talking about how important you think like uh, using something a script, uh, practicing your objections, practicing all? Uh, would you talk a little bit about how important that is in you know improving all these numbers? Yeah, consistency, persistency, and patience. So you have to do it the same way over and over again, and trust the process. So you have to have a process, and we can call it a script. 
we can call you can call it what you want yet it's still going to present itself as an outline template script i don't care it's just like the word sell everybody likes to use 30 different other words that all mean selling yes right in order to be consistent in order to make sure that that what you're measuring is the right thing you must have a consistent formula process and that is a script so you must train it you must work on objections um, everybody always says the primary objections are time, distance, and money, and I and I disagree. The primary objection is you don't give them a reason to invest their time. You don't give them a reason to invest their money, or you don't give them a reason to uh, go the distance. So it's actually one step deeper when we come to the objections. And if we're just teaching people how to deal with time, money, and distance, we're, again, setting them up for failure and we'll yell at them. So part of that script is getting their story building. And real quick to that, to that, if I want you to go deeper, if I want you to be able to use this script to be successful, I'm going to tell you your role is not to get people scheduled. This was my Facebook Live this week. I'm going to tell you your role is to start a relationship with this potential patient that will last through their entire life cycle with the practice. That sounds just a little different than schedule people. And it also, I believe, takes the responsibility out of you just checking boxes and putting people on the schedule. By the way, I don't care when someone gets scheduled. They could call today and schedule a month later. You still get credit for the conversion. So if I tell you it's about starting a relationship, then you're more likely to follow up with people. You're more likely to not do some kind of, well, we can't help you, click, right? You're more likely to call someone two weeks later who didn't schedule with you to say, how are you doing as the front desk person? So building the system around that second thing rather than the first thing actually facilitates the person you're holding responsible to be more successful through what their metrics, their accountability. Right. So I, I loved one one thing that you that you said there. Like all the objections, I, I I correct me if I'm wrong here. It seems like all of the objections come down to trust. Like it's a trust. I don't trust you. I don't. Uh, trust in you. healthcare, I don't in healthcare for sure, because because the opposite of trust is fear, doubt, and uncertainty. And you're in healthcare, right? So your doctor told you to go to physical therapy, and now we we could go down a million things. I don't know what physical therapy is. Is it going to hurt? We could go down. How is it going to help me? So we could double that back to uncertainty, right? And so if we don't deal with that uncertainty, which is build some trust before they arrive, before they arrive, then we've set the provider up for failure. You guys will notice this stuff is looping back and back and back. Right. This. Always does. Yeah. So, so funny trust. I got, I got a funny trust story, right? So the uncertainty and trust. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm giving away my free net promoter score app thing, you know, so I, I'm, I'm giving it away. Right. And so Ariel, who is a part of the group, uh, she she says she says to me, because, well, first off, I run all my NPS stuff. I have an internal server like I duplicated uh, kind of Google's reviews closely. I, I'm, we're trying to see what's converting, what's converting, what's getting people to click on it, what verbiage, what I'm doing in the clinic. So I can measure that more on my server than I can on Google's because they're not going to give me access to all their stuff. Uh, so I've been running this internal for like eight, nine months, just testing stuff out, testing stuff out. Ariel checked up on me. She's like, you have six Google reviews. Uh, it sounds like what you're saying is going to work. 
but you have six Google reviews. So, so even, even within us, you know, there, there isn't trust that, you know, so, so I was explaining to her and, you know, and she's, she's like, well, now that makes sense. She's like, but you know, I, I was checking up on you, you know, she didn't trust me. She, and she shouldn't. She and, that's shouldn't. A, and that's a great, that's a great example, which comes back to, th this is the thing. So you asked about learning scripts and handling objections. Let's talk about that's all sales training. So let's talk about your sales cycle, right? Everybody's sales cycle is so short. There is no industry. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Anybody check me and type something else in. There's no industry that expects someone, you know, to call and convert and turn into a thousand dollar paying customer on a fucking two minute phone call. And yet we right. do that. So back to this, what we were just talking about before. If I empower my front desk, which is one of my favorite words, a lot of people don't like that. That empowering my front desk means they know their responsibilities. I train them. They know their accountabilities. And then I reward them for their success. That can be financially. That can be, you know, um, acknowledgement. It can be all those things. That's step number one. Then, because what I do during this training, and I just gave you the example, if you believe the process is over when you hang the phone up, you're done. We follow up with every single person who doesn't schedule. Now, you're going to say, oh, you're just trying to upsell them, upsell, keep selling. No, the callback. Here, I'll give you the script. A number one callback. So someone didn't schedule. Five days later, you call them. And let's say I took the phone call because I used to do this. Hi, this is Jerry at ABC Physical Therapy. We spoke last week. And then you, there's usually some response there. And I say, yeah, I'm just calling because I know you didn't schedule with us for your low back pain. And I really want to make sure you are getting taken care of. And that's all we say. Hey, Jerry, keep talking. You're enough, giving so. me you're giving me free training. Like like the one one of the people that's on right now is my front desk. So one of my front desk people, Tracy, is on right now walking. So you're giving me free training. Just keep talking and you know yeah, <laughs> we'll get her all dialed in by the end of the call. So when you call back and say, I'm just following up to see how you're doing, let me tell you what I did the step before. The step before, which we didn't talk about, was when they didn't, when they chose, by the way, we say they didn't convert, they didn't schedule. I'm like, fuck that. They chose not to schedule. Okay, that's cool. And I'm okay with it. They made a choice. They had all the information they needed. They made a choice. So now I have a choice. What do I do? Well, you know what? My responsibility as a healthcare provider is make sure they get to the right place. And I say, Ray, I say, Ray, I get it. I hear you, man. Let me do this for you, Ray. Based on what you've expressed to me you need, I've got two phone numbers here for you. Let me give you these two phone numbers and you call them. And I used to do this. You call them because they will be able to accommodate you. And by the way, if they don't accommodate you or they can't get you in quickly, call me back and I will call them for you. Now, I did that for about seven months and everybody's freaking out. Oh, my desk, front desk is too busy. Oh, this and that. And your front desk is too busy doing shit that they shouldn't be doing. That's why they're too busy. And they're not doing the stuff that they should be doing. And that's your fault, not their fault. Right, right. When you step back, when that happens, you know how many people took me up on that? Less than 5%. The act of doing that and being genuine about it, because I, I did. And of the 5% who took me up on it, I fucking called the clinic, said, hey, you got to help me out here. I got someone who needs physical therapy. Get them in. And I would. I owed them that. 
right. and I follow through. And so that the the if you're going to give someone the phone number, then when you call them, by the way, when's the last time one of their healthcare providers called them when they didn't schedule? So the trust, let's get back to the trust and the peak end rule, which let's not talk about right now, but they're going to remember that last thing. And it's going to be, they did not schedule out your practice and it's going to be a positive experience. So we can get into the story of referrals I've had from those examples. People have never stepped foot in my clinic who referred me customers, patients, clients, whatever the fuck we're going to call them. Right, right. Now, if if it's cool with you, I, I want to try to start talking a little bit about about the metrics, right? So, so you said your your favorite metric is well, other than the NPS, is you, you like the completed plan of care? It's the right? yeah, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate metric. Not it, we could call it practice metric because a completed plan of care will mean the patient got to where they needed to, and then therefore the business is winning. Bottom line, right. Right. And, and I, I mean, I agree. Can, can, can we talk profit and money and can, can we talk money? Okay. Here. Right? Talk about whatever okay you want. To, is it okay to talk <laughs> about, uh, is it okay to say that it's okay to make a buck when we help people yeah. because we're helping yeah. people at such a fucking yeah. cut well, rate cost? I, I think, I think that that's, can I say uh, fuck? sorry. Well, you already did like 40 times. So, oh, so okay. I guess it's okay now, <laughs> no. but uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, we can't play our bills in goodwill. None of us, you know, like we can't say, Hey, I helped a lot of people this month. Uh, don't shut my lights out. Uh, let's just go one further real quick to everybody listening here. All I ask everybody, whether you own or you work in a practice, do you want to get paid? Right. Do you want a paycheck every two weeks? Then it's a simple conversation. Then the company needs to make money. So let me understand. Let me help you understand how the company can make more money. And that's by helping more people. Because I got to say it real quick, Rick, because what's good for the patient is good for business. Right, right. And and to that end, I that's where I was going kind of with the metrics. You know, you, well, you know the metrics that that I'm I'm tracking. I'm tracking that NPS number. Leveraging that for the Google reviews and also hopefully to identify drop-offs. Like, you know, if I can if I can identify if somebody's not happy, I can fix it. If I don't know they're not happy and I'm going along assuming they're happy, I cannot, uh, you know, I can't fix it. it. It's, it's you know, I don't even realize that, the, that it's there. Then the other thing, if they're not happy, well, number one, are they improving? You know, because they're, they're right. here to get better. You know, if I take yeah. my car to the mechanic and uh, he... Super nice guy. I love it. The place is great. And I trust and, him. Yeah, and I trust him. And, but he gives it back to me and my car doesn't work. How long am I going to keep returning? I might give him one or two times and then, then I'm out, right? So right. that's also another very important metric. You therapists, you know, and we, need, and we need context for these measurements. You know, we need to be able to, okay, 85% uh, uh, of my patients say they're getting better. Well, where, what, what does that mean? Where do I relate in relation to everybody else? Um, and then also, are they happy with your your front desk, and are they happy with their therapist? You know, do, do they like the person? You know, so you know we can start look at these. We can start graphing. We can start comparing people to one another. Then then we really have something. And that's the big problem with metrics. That's that's why I like the NPS so much because previously in my practice uh, I had done some questioning. You know, but honestly, it was, it really wasn't worth anything. Uh, I I got you know satisfaction scores, but. I didn't know what they meant. You know, I, I didn't, I had no basis for comparison. It was, it was just a number and, and I wanted to improve the number in relation to itself, but 
there, there's really right. nothing. That's there. a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. I wanted to improve the number upon it on upon itself, but what what does that mean, right? Right. Am I am I good? Am I bad? You know, if how how do I know if I have a huge problem in my practice if I'm looking at a number and I only can compare it to me? You know, that yeah. that creates an enormous problem. And and I did it for years. <laughs> I think there's a ton of people out there that are doing. You know, if you're bigger, then you can kind of get some semblance of of a number. But even at that, how do you know that your practice, that your systems are dialed in? You know, if you're only measuring it against your your other practices, you know, because yeah. all the variables are the same. You know, yeah. when we start doing this, we start getting big numbers. Now you can start to split tests, and you can start looking at, at different things. How is this working compared to? somebody else is doing it differently, you know, and that, that's part yeah, of my that, hope. That's exactly, exactly. That's part of my hope with the free NPS number. So the free NPS app, we get their NPS number, right? That, that net promoter score, how likely are you to refer a family or a friend zero to 10? Then we ask if the person's improving, right? So my hope from this is that we get it out to enough people and we start getting some, some data here. So now I can start giving you feedback if your numbers are low. You know, I can reach out to you via email and say, hey, look, your NPS score is slightly lower than average. Hey, is, is there a way we can do a deeper dive? You know, how can I help you? Oh, I just lost my light. <laughs> uh, how can I help you? How can I do a deeper dive? Um, you know, so, so uh, yeah, I, we really need the, the data. And that's, that's why I say I think the metrics are incomplete, you know. And I didn't, like, WebPT. We've talked about this before. I, I, I did a talk at one of your things about, about the uh, WebPT, uh, their state of rehab survey, their, uh, their drop-off numbers, right? It just blew my head apart when I read that, best case scenario, 75% of your people aren't completing their plan of care. Best In case scenario. That, that, that just flipped me out. I mean, I, when I read that, I'm like, this is actual, like, numbers that we have on 10, 11,000 clinics, you know, so now you could see how big the problem is. Like I, I had no idea how big of a problem and how widespread this thing was until I really got to look at some numbers, some data, gave it context. You know, I knew what my number was, but I didn't know what anybody else's number was. You know what? Let me jump in there real quick, right? Because you just identified a huge issue. Early on when I started working on this uh, patient life cycle, client life cycle, and getting into the patient experience. I thought, well, you know what? The in-network clinics, they got this figured out, right? They got this figured out. So my my customer is really out of network and cash pay PT. Um, what I learned early on within like six to eight months that the in-network clinics, because of their no-show cancel rate and their drop-offs, had far more to gain from this work. So do not fool yourself that because you're measuring this, you know how to manage it. And it, it is with the in-network clinics. And this is a pitch not of using me. This is a pitch of understanding your patient's life cycle. I just spent 40 minutes on the phone with someone telling her how to do this and hung up yesterday. And I'm happy to do that with anybody. Because if you do this, you're going to help yourself and your employees way a lot, way a lot. So I've gone into a couple out of network clinics and the return on investment to the bottom line, because all they did was pay for me. They didn't buy anything else. The return of investment on their bottom line was ginormous because of this, this bringing in the understanding of the customer life cycle 
and really where they really got dialed in with little change. I'm going to tell you a little cheat here is you got to change the front end, what I call phase two of your uh, patient's life cycle from first phone call to customer arrival. And the last place I went to put a zero on the end of their monthly revenue just by managing the front desk. Well, yeah, again, everything that, went down. Everything I said would go down went down. No show cancel rates went down. Uh, completed plans of care went up. And by the way, check this out. I didn't make this claim going in. Revenue per visit went up. And the th- here is why. The people who were calling the clinic previously who weren't scheduling because of out of network or, or my deductible were now scheduling. So revenue per visit went up in an in-network clinic where that shouldn't, wow. That's where you say that shouldn't happen, right? So again, this isn't a pump for me. This is a pump for understand your customer's life cycle and then right. really get your front end. And the reason I, right, your front desk is the entry point into your business. So no matter how you manage it, whether you believe they're the most important thing, it's the first step in the process. So it should be. All we do, we all deal with the providers that are like four steps down, right. five steps down. Yeah. I know you like they're to call them your left tackle, but yeah. it's, it's, they're kind of like a center. You know, yeah. they're, they're the one who snaps the ball. The play doesn't start without them. And they're, ca- and they're calling the, half the time, they're calling the blocking strategies. And, and right. they're, the, right. they're the leader right. of the offensive line. So this stuff, you know, what Ray's talking about with these drop-offs and the MPS and managing all this, goes back to the beginning of this conversation that you must understand your business as an ecosystem. And what you do in one place is not just an effect on that one step. It will affect other steps. Change the incoming phone call, my billing problem disappeared. We can have that discussion on another day, right? right? Well, when we built that in, we built that into ADIS. You and I worked on that and we built that into ADIS so that we addressed that. Yeah, when you have that life cycle um, mapped out, you can take a step back anytime you have a problem. You can take a step back and go, hmm, let me dig a little deeper before I go yell at people, which I do, and say, let me look at where this can actually be solved in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of energy and therefore the least amount of money. Right. And I, 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 not- Yeah, go on. Go on. That's I was going to say, not to swing back around to this, but you were saying about the bigger providers, that, that same WebPT study showed that, showed that if you have 21 or more providers in, in, your, in your business, that your completed plan of care rate is less than 7%, less than 7%. So the bigger you are, the more you have to gain because the bigger the problem is. The small providers are closing three times as many plans of care as these huge national, the Athleticos and the Dreyers and I don't know, pick pick whoever else, uh, you know, whatever U.S. therapies, you know. Then check this out. Check this out. You say the providers are closing a plan of care. Here's my here's my statement on that. My thesis, my question. Is it the provider? By the way, who I'm not knocking because I said. What I'm going to say is the provider is doing a good job in every setting. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, say the provider's doing what they need to do. Or is it the fact that in the smaller clinics, the entry point is controlled? There's only one or two people answering the phone. In the larger clinics, in a 26 clinic practice, you got what? 26 times two. So you got maybe 52 different entry points into the business. So Correct. I would take a step back and argue that it's the controlled entry point more than 
the providers themselves. Because again, we're all trained to deliver, man. So what product, what, what type of person are we delivering to this provider? Yeah. And, and it's, because I'm having some talks with some very large clinics. And the first question I ask them is how many front desk people at how many locations? And then I immediately follow up with how are you controlling the quality of that first phone call? Systems. Dead fucking systems. Yeah. Yeah. Your systems like, and, and that's, that's part of the problem is a system gets bigger. It becomes harder to control. That's why I love automation. Well, that's where, that's where I thought you were going to go with that whole thing is, is as soon as you get that big, not only all the systems get harder to control, but yet entry points into your business, right? Because if you think about it, some of the best stuff I've read, like a Schwab, right? Or some of these other huge online companies, what they understand best, what they understand best is where their customer's entry point was. So when someone comes into and makes contact with someone in that company, they know how they entered. So they know their experience. That's why those companies fucking nail it. And that's why I brought this back in. That's why Disney nails it. What's that? Yeah. That's why Disney nails it. They sell you magic. They don't, they don't sell you, they don't sell you an amusement park. They sell you magic. Yeah. Do, do they know everything? I'm always the guy running in at Disney and there's a person taking the survey and it's probably awkward as shit because I'm on video, but I always walk up and go, am am I the target today? And they always smile. Yeah, they always smile and go, no. Did you get the email that I forwarded you, the Disney survey? (laughs) I'm like, I'll let Jerry answer this. Ray calls me. If Disney has shitty service, Ray calls me. If Disney does good service, (laughs) Ray calls me. It's hilarious. And by the way, for the record, I hold Disney stock. Why not? Yeah. Well, one of the best companies in the world. Hey, I got to jump off pretty quick because I've got got my friend in the certification course. To another time. Hey, yeah, good luck with that. And uh, we'll talk here soon, Jerry. Hey, thank you so much for coming on and discussing the front desk's role, the metrics. And even we delve even a little bit deeper. We even got into kind of uh, size and systems. So, hey, thank you so much for that. I hope it's valuable for all of you guys. The key is to start building those systems now. So, if you're watching this now and you're a one person, two person clinic, I'm going to tell you right now, build the system now. Get your life cycle mapped out because you and that other person, you guys are going to be able to build it out. The system that will need to be maintained when there are 20, 30, 40, 50 employees is established today. When I go into companies with 26 offices, how do you think change is done there? Do it now. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder a lot harder thing to manage. A lot more people to buy into the system, and and there's attrition when you make changes. Like like every system, when you change it, there's attrition. Yeah. But I'll let you go. Oh we don't we don't God. need to get into yes. that. We'll be here all day. Yeah, dude, it's six degrees out there today. Oh, six, man. That's that's a heat wave. That's a heat yeah, wave. Yeah. We're we're negative three. Dude, yesterday the uh, day started at thirty two degrees. My dogs walked around the block. By the afternoon, that freaking snow squall came in. It, it was it was snowing not it wasn't snowing sideways it was snowing vertical diagonal up and in a circle it's just welcome pennsylvania you. jerry yeah, welcome to pennsylvania <laughs> right thanks for having me on ray i love uh, talking hey thanks you. for being here as always Cheers. have a good one bye